you've stumbled onto the sleeping giant. Let's broaden our minds. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sleeping Giant podcast. I am your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte, and I'd like to say thank you for joining me once more. This episode is one of the few that has deviated from the usual film discourse, though it is also an episode wherein I had some of the most fun during its recording. I'm joined in this one by my good friend Chris, otherwise known as Riot Carol Danvers, on the Twitter machine. Chris was kind enough to share with me one of their most cherished fandoms, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. And I enjoyed it so much that I asked them if we could do an episode together. And now here we are. Y'all go ahead and get comfy, because we are about to begin. Alright y'all, we are hot on the heels of our last episode, so there won't be much in the way of news or shit-talking. However, some pretty big news. Um... Some of you may have noticed, longtime listeners and followers of the social media channels of the Sleeping Giant podcast, that the handle has actually changed back to SG Cards and Toys, and that is because the Sleeping Giant Trading Cards and Toys is officially a business. I have applied for and received uh, my, my official LLC status in the state of Florida, so right now, the Sleeping Giant Trading Cards and Toys is a thing. And uh, that is, of course, updated on uh, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we have kept the Sleeping Giant podcast on Patreon because as far as Patreon is concerned, it's uh, going to be more podcast-oriented. But I'm really excited about that. And I have been working very, very hard to uh, continue my goal of having a shop wherein I am able to provide trading cards, non-sport trading cards to be specific. So your WWE, your Star Wars, your stuff from Rittenhouse like Game of Thrones and uh, I believe Star Trek, some really cool stuff, um, all kinds of stuff. Cryptozoic does some amazing uh, film card sets they do some amazing uh character con uh, excuse me character card sets i just i love cryptozoic i love written house um tops i'll always have kind of an affinity for but that's neither here nor there uh but yeah i'm going to be able to bring all this stuff to you guys funko pop star wars black series gi joe all kinds of really really cool stuff um I'm still in the process of trying to settle with a distributor. The trading card industry is a little fucking nuts right now, and that's kind of putting a, uh, a damper on some of the things that I'm trying to do, but I am moving forward every day trying to get closer and closer to settling with, uh, with this particular distributor and, uh, and getting the hookup from them so I can only... Um, have to deal with one distributor. That's that's really my goal. I really don't want to have to hook up with mul multiple distributors to get this stuff, but I'm really excited about it, and uh, and I hope that you are too. And right now, the, the best thing that I could do, and the thing that I, I want to do the most, is establish a firm customer base. And I know a lot of you that listen 
are really into some of the things that I just mentioned. So um, during this first year, I'm, I'm working really hard to establish myself and, and make it uh, known to my potential distributor that I am going to be viable and I am going to be able to bring them return business. So what I want to do is I want to be your guy. I want to be your man. Uh, I want to do this thing for you where I'm able to get you these cards and these action figures and toys and these vinyl figurines. I want to get them for you and I want to get them for you as close to cost as possible. So right now that is my goal. So if you're looking for this stuff, if this is stuff that you want, then, you know, give your boy a holler and I'll see what I can do to hook you up. So that's the Sleeping Giant Trading Cards and Toys. Uh, you can find the Sleeping Giant, of course, on Instagram at SG Cards and Toys, Facebook.com forward slash SG Cards and Toys. And of course, you can check out that Patreon, and that is the Sleeping Giant podcast. Uh, so that's still going on. And uh, now that we've transitioned to, um, to the Sleeping Giant Trading Cards and Toys, the Patreon will be focused primarily on the podcast, and I'm really, really, really looking to amp up some of the membership tiers there and and really turn it into something awesome. Uh, I have a lot of really talented, super cool people that want to contribute to this, and um, they uh, some of the things that that we'll be offering they're they're very happy to to provide to to various membership levels, and I'm really really stoked about that. So, uh, again, that's, you can find that at Patreon, uh, forward slash the sleeping giant podcast. So, you know, um, every, every little bit helps out for sure. Um, you know, for the past couple of years, those, those dollars that y'all have been given have really added up and, uh, and it really keeps this stuff moving forward because, you know, there is some overhead when it comes to podcasting and, uh, uploading social media and having room for all this bullshit uh, that I keep spewing out every month, it does cost. And every single cent that you all have provided has gone into the Sleeping Giant and the Sleeping Giant podcast specifically. So thank you all for that. Um, and if you can, you know, uh, give it a share. You know, share it on your social media, your Facebook pages, uh, your wall whatever uh, you kids are doing today, you're, you're tick-tocking, you know, give it a share. Uh, give it a shout-out. I'd really appreciate it. And if you haven't yet, definitely rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts because that really helps out too. Uh, and it doesn't, cost you, it doesn't cost you a damn thing, just your time. Now, one could argue that that is the most valuable thing you have. True. And if you use it to give the Sleeping Giant podcast a good review, I am very grateful eternally so in fact um so yeah any ideas that you guys have any suggestions for future shows or if you just want to send me a comment say hello you can send any emails to sgcardsandtoys at gmail.com so i hope to hear from you okay now that the obligatory promotional stuff is out of the way let's talk some she-ra in a surprising turn she-ra has become one of my newest favorite things and i am so pleased that chris and i were able to reconnect and reestablish uh, our friendship through such an amazing and fun show it's 
It has got everything. Sword fights, adventure, betrayal, true love. All of that with a strong message of inclusivity and goodness that my family and I really, really enjoyed watching together. Uh, it, it became a family thing, and it was one of those things that that I really enjoyed on that level. Uh, Chris and I would talk via text while we were watching some of these episodes, and it was really fun to to join in on something that people clearly love and clearly have this uh, they have this massive fandom for the show, and it's really cool to be a part of that. And uh, it was really special for me to to be a part of that with Chris and and with my girls here at home. It was really something else. Um, so yeah, I uh, I'm gonna stop talking now and get into the conversation that I held proper with Chris. Chris, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Excellent. Okay, so. This is actually the second or third time that we've tried to do this. Is this is that accurate? Uh, is it? Yeah, you might be right. I, yeah, just uh, we were experiencing some technical difficulties, well, yeah. and by we, I mean me, and it's because I don't know apparently how outlets work. <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to go into specifics, but I didn't plug the computer in properly. I'll just leave it at that. Well, like you said, at least we didn't get you know fucking an hour into it yeah that would have been rough i mean i've i've edited worse mistakes uh but it's still just a fucking pain in the ass that yeah. i don't i don't like to deal with because it's work and yep let me be frank i i don't want to fucking work like that <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> um but anyway uh how, how have you been what's up what's been what's been shaking uh you know man just just working and uh like trying to get back to doing art and writing and stuff like that. How about you? Those are both really good things to do. Strangely enough, just a, about the same. Um, I know uh, we've spoken since I finally or officially became a small business owner. Yep. Um, which is just weird because I'm still like, what the fuck do <laughs> and, I even do? Congratulations again, by the way. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Um, but for for those of you listening... Uh, Chris was on the show last when we talked about the, uh, I believe it was 2012 Captain Marvel yeah. number one by Kelly Sue DeConnick. Was it 12? Yes. Yes, it was. Okay, so this is Chris's second appearance on the show, and we're going to be talking about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, specifically uh, the first couple of episodes of the first season, and the first season in a sort of uh, general way. Into some specifics about later episodes in season one, but maintaining just yeah. season one, right? That's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then overall themes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to get too spoilery towards the later seasons because I haven't watched all right. of it. Right, and we, I, I really want to come back and do this again after you have finished season five, because uh, that is where the show ends, and that was the... Uh, uh, yeah, it was designed from the outset with this uh, with 52 episodes and that was where it was going to end gotcha it's remarkable to me how awesome a program can be when you have a clear vision of what you want it to be from start to finish yep 
Yeah. It's, it's almost like you can put all of your energy into making that thing instead of, you know, kind of throwing everything together and mm-hmm. seeing what fucking sticks. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I listened to a little bit of a podcast uh, where they interviewed uh, Noelle Stevenson, the uh, creator and showrunner of this reboot of She-Ra. Mm-hmm. And she said, basically, she came to DreamWorks and Netflix. Her pitch meeting was only supposed to go about half an hour. And it went well over an hour because she threw the basics of all 52 episodes at them. She, wow. she just went for a go big or go home. And yeah, it worked. That's awesome. Well, I, for one, am glad that it worked out the way that it did. Uh, She-Ra obviously is, um, well, I don't want to say obviously, but I would be willing to bet that most folks in our age bracket, as it were, are at least passingly familiar with the name She-Ra. Uh, yep. You know, being, of course, kind of like the female equivalent of uh, Prince Adam and He-Man and the Masters mm-hmm. of the Universe. Yep. Um, I'll be honest. Number one, I remember very, very little about uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, I remember zero about She-Ra. I mean, we're talking like 30 years worth of time. Right. I, um, yeah, I, I barely remember anything from He-Man, and I had like the action figures and everything. Uh, oh, I remember a fuck ton about the figures now. Yeah. That's, a, that's a different story. That's, well, that's, that's, that's actually kind of tangentially related to the whole she-rod thing with this reboot too um and i don't know if you want to like if you want to follow like a smooth script or if i can just go off on a tangent real quick oh go for it yeah we're not nailed down to anything okay so the whole like all one of the good things about she-rod is it's it's excuse me is very gideon yes it is and she is just in a mood right now um the show is okay is uh (laughs) yeah so the new reboot is very inclusive right um all Mm -hmm. kinds of body types um you know genders ethnicities everything under the sun they tried to be you know very inclusive and empowering and they had that freedom because they weren't consigned to making all the characters look the same because they ought to fit a specific toy mold Mm. which is why the original Shira, all the princesses are exactly the same body type, including Shira herself, with just some different right. ornamentation. Because it was a toy mold, they had one mold for all the princesses, right? Same thing with like a lot mm-hmm. of the He-Man characters. So it was, it's all about you know the toys. With this show, it's not. It's about you know a narrative and about the characters and everything else. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just no. That's actually that's awesome. It, it's it's funny because it's almost a uh sort of like a an inverted parallel between the way that masters of the universe began because those were action figures Mm -hmm. with a little bit of story attached to them and then the show was developed based on the action figures yep so it's kind of cool that we're we're on a parallel but moving in the opposite direction with this and i there's something pretty nifty about that to me yep now i want to ask because i'm passingly familiar or i was passingly familiar with the reboot because i saw it on netflix and i remember thinking oh shit shira Mm -hmm. um yep and then my daughter watched several of the episodes uh i guess back when they came out in 2018 um and I, she only watched a handful of them. I don't, I don't know if she even finished the first season, but 
there wasn't a lot of hubbub and and me not really paying attention to people on the internet i guess at that point um i uh i never heard anything about it and subsequently i just sort of forgot about it but um but again uh, i do want to say that i was always really interested in that stuff because i think it was around 2002 uh the, the four horsemen which uh which is a sculpting team uh worked on the re-release of the masters of the universe action figures so they were like t- total redesigns and they're fucking awesome the four horsemen are just cool as fuck regardless um but they did masters of the universe and then those figures naturally spawned another television show um so when i saw this i was you know it kind of like sparked that old interest again but it didn't really go anywhere uh, until you mentioned when one of the last times we spoke uh or at least about podcasting um, because I know we were supposed to do some Star Wars stuff, and the reason that that has not come to fruition is a whole other story altogether. But I said, hey, you know, um, we should definitely do something again, and uh, I might even be getting a little ahead of myself in the storytelling, but you you had suggested that I, I watch Shira, I think, and then I was like, well, maybe we should do an episode or something to that effect. I don't remember. Um, I can't remember 10 minutes ago, so my my bad. But you suggested that I watch this, and, uh, you know, I, being someone who trusts your taste, I thought that I'd give it a go, and I have to say that I was so impressed by it just in the first couple of episodes that I was just like, holy shit, like... Okay, so I guess I'm a Shira fan, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not it's not something you expect to happen, and then uh, like just it, by virtue of you know where we come from and how we grew up and everything else, it's not something you would expect, I guess, to be on our radar, really, or at least for me. Um, right. Or uh, to go you in further, I mean, I understand that we've made tremendous strides as a society. I mean. Mm-hmm. For argument's sake, we haven't made enough mm-hmm. of a stride as a society. But again, when you say based on where we where we came from, where we grew up, they're pretty tremendous strides. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it's all about perspective. Um, but even so, even so, I was still kind of surprised because it just seems like it seems like old white dudes often get their say more than anybody else, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was a little surprised yeah. that um, that the show is what it is and, and was as successful. I mean, that's fucking amazing to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, uh, but before we go into some of the particulars of that and, and the particulars of the show... I would like to ask you what's what is your relationship to Shira and how how did it come into your life and what made you a fan of the show? So I'd say a few months ago I was in the middle of the the throes of an identity crisis, right? Like okay, it's a culmination of twenty fucking years of not realizing what it was, and then finally it hitting me like a ton of a ton of bricks you know that i mm-hmm. that i am trans even though my voice is still i haven't done my voice training is like 
when I'm not talking to people, I'm still fucking, it, ugh, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. I haven't come out at work because that would just be a whole other fucking disaster. Um, right. But anyway, uh, so I was, I started looking at Twitter and using Twitter as like a, a to set a, t to my timeline just of things that are nice and good and like Gideon mm -hmm. the Ninth fandom, fan art and like stuff like that. And one of the people that, uh, is one of my mutuals, as you as you say. <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> that, that's say one out of those loud. Twitter terms, um, right? Yeah, right. Somebody who, who I'm friends with on Twitter. Uh, she uh, went through the same kind of things, and she recommended Chira to me. Um, mm -hmm. Said that it was very, I guess, formative for her. And mm -hmm. I was like, all right, her, you know, we're on the same page with a lot of the stuff. So I'll, I'll give it a shot. And yeah, dude, that, that show, like it grabbed a hold of me and has not let my heart go. And it's like, wow, it just dove right in there. You know what I mean? It didn't, it yeah <laughs> didn't miss. Um, and I don't know. It's just one of those where it's a show with a lot of, you know, queer representation and that kind of thing. And it's, it's beautiful, you know, it's heartbreaking, mm -hmm. but it's beautiful. Now one could say that one could say that I don't have my finger on the pulse of <laughs> queer entertainment. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but with that, maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. I don't know. Um, but with that being said, uh, I could see how, I could see and and I think I could understand how that would be something that was very important to a lot of people. I mean, hell, it's it's extremely important to me. And everything that you just said about the show was what brought me in and and what hooked me because the characters and again, we are talking about Shira and the princesses of power. That's right. that's still so funny to me that it's like, oh fucking Shira. I know. I know. But so emotional the characters are so just real and uh and the things that they experience on a on a personal and interpersonal level uh really reach out to me and the, and the, you know like you said they grab me because like i remember feeling that way and i remember going through a lot of those things mm -hmm. myself and it's just it's in a lot of ways it's comforting because um you know, having a very young daughter, I am just so thrilled that she loves the show and she enjoys watching it with me because, uh, you know, I want her to see um, the things that are in Shira and some of the situations and personal like conflicts in Shira, uh, see those, you know, presented on screen in the form of a cartoon so that, she, you know, she'll see that and think, okay, I'm acclimated to this. This is normal. Right, um, right. You know, because when we were growing up, we didn't really have cartoons that, uh, you know, spoke to kids as... Oh, they were just selling stuff. People. That's all they yeah, cared about was yeah. selling stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So so this speaks to a humanity, I think. And uh, and it's it's really, as a, as a cartoon, I think it's really unique. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me that, like, it's rated, like, what, Y7? And it's... Yeah. people mm -hmm. say it's it's marketed to kids and you know it in a way it is but at the same time there are a lot of things that i don't think 
you know younger kids are necessarily going to pick up on but it's also the stories that are told in this show are mm-hmm. so like they're deep and meaningful and they actually like the arcs are all very uh detailed and it's not just like a you know this episode is completely unrelated to the next one like mm-hmm. the old shows were where you know everything was tied up neatly at the end of each episode like right. you've got yeah there's a cohesive narrative right and a lot of that is tied into you know the main characters and you know Adora who is Shira and her mm-hmm. best friend um slash you know uh childhood like friend Katra mm-hmm. uh slash nemesis yeah um it's it's interesting the way these stories are told and that they're that anyone of any age can find them interesting and you know mm-hmm. engaging yeah and i was thinking too you know that we probably shouldn't sell kids short either that's a good point too yeah thank you you know um well i just normally i would think of you know i think of my daughter as being oh, right. she's exceptional uh, which she is of course <laughs> but i also know that i'm biased <laughs> and uh as um, you should be but i but you know, uh, we we shouldn't sell kids short, and I think more of that stuff probably hits um, than goes over their head. I mean, maybe yeah, you're not probably everything, right. but but I also think too, um, you know, because I think Noel Stevenson, uh, she's of I think we're of an age, um, so I kind of feel like people that watched Shira that are that are our age and are probably going to go back and watch this because they were Shira fans back in the day there's probably going to be a lot in this show that is like specifically directed at them yep you know um like the, hey this is for you this is the cartoon that you should have had when you were a child mm-hmm. yep very much so but uh yeah that's that's just a guess i'd like to ask her if that if that was <laughs> What she had in mind, um, just I want to hear her say it. <laughs> uh, but today we're going to talk about uh, again. We're kind of going to going to jump around the first season, but specifically uh, episodes one and two, which I guess are kind of like the the pilot episodes of Shira. Right. Um, I mean, not that there really was a pilot because they dumped the whole first season out at once. You know, it's a Netflix show. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's the. I mean, they the first two episodes have to grab you and they do a really good job mm-hmm. of that yep so the first two episodes are well the first episode is the sword and uh that's part one and then the second episode is the sword part two yep and they are very much as you say first episodes and they do exactly what a first episode should do and that is grab you and the way that uh the way that happened for me was by making like right off the bat, I'm like, oh look, that jacket's familiar, that outfit's familiar, but wait, what the fuck? That's uh, a horde emblem, right? Adora is on the, she's in the bad guys' army. She is, yeah, a horde member. She's like, that's one of the things that gets me that I don't think, uh, well, no, a lot of people do pick up on it. It's something that uh, Adora and Katra are literal child soldiers, like, right they've been raised in this evil army and they think that it's normal and it's good. And mm-hmm. you know, that's their literal child soldiers. 
<laughs> so that's a whole lot to unpack. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat. And that right? and, and that's the funny thing is that this show doesn't stop there. It's all like, oh, let's just keep unpacking. Like yep. all, all of the damage that's been done oh, that's, to people in society over the last 40 yep. years. And that's one thing that I love about this show is it doesn't like shy away from that. There's like a lot of this show is about trauma and abuse and cycles of abuse and how people break that or fall back into it and you know Mm -hmm. how if they do break it is it like it's is it going to be like oh everything's good or is it messy do they backslide that Mm -hmm. kind of thing it's it's very they do a great job of that uh and they don't like i said they don't shy away from that that's kind of one of the intended purposes of the show is just to you know dig right into that and show that to people and it's great yes and and keep digging (laughs) yep yeah oh yeah um even in the fun episodes quote-unquote fun episodes and they're all fun frankly but right but the ones you know where they're supposed to kind of be a little bit of a reprieve you know even inside of them are little you know little things that kind of kind of uh cut you a little bit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but uh, I, I did forget to mention that in the first few seconds of the first episode, there's a taxi driver reference, which, I mean, you know, like you can't really go wrong. Okay, you're going to have to remind that, me. I don't think. Uh, when Adora is, she's with the punching bag and there's the like the princesses on the punching bag. She's like, hey, you, you talking to me, princess? Oh, yeah, that's right. Like that. That's right. Yeah, because um, that's the thing for the for your listeners is they, uh, the princesses are made, the horde, the Horde army is made to think that the princesses are like these evil, you know, things that will come in the night and destroy them. You know what I mean? It's, it's interesting. A whole lot of propaganda. Yes. Very, very much. So. Um, the, the cool thing about the first episodes is that our principal characters, when they're on screen, their personality and kind of what they're all about is established pretty quickly i right. think um you get the sense that adora is you know she's youthful and she likes to have fun but she's also all about getting business taken care yep. of and she's very um, earnest in what she does yes exactly um whereas uh you have another member of her team um which is kyle and i want to speak <laughs> about kyle first kyle. before we talk about Catra oh, because kyle. Oh, Kyle, I just I want to kind of like I want to address that first, because I think that he's at his his character, if you could call it that, is actually established before Catra's and that Kyle is Kyle is like the perpetual. He's the punching bag. Yeah, he's the punching bag. He is that he. Yeah, he's Kyle. And it doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. Um, And. What's funny, though, and I guess I shouldn't say funny, is that there's as the show progresses, you kind of, you kind of really feel bad for Kyle. Oh yeah, yeah, you do because and it's, that's done he, on purpose. You know, like yeah, he's he's trying. And I wanna I wanna point out something that I, every character that has screen time in this show serves a purpose and has mm-hmm. an arc of some sort. So. Mm. You won't see the last of Kyle yet. I hope not. He's it's it, at this point. It's just a joy whenever he comes on screen because mm-hmm. I'll be sitting there with my daughter <laughs> and she's just like, "Oh, Kyle. 
That's amazing to me, by the way. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, so these characters, we, we are introduced to Kyle and, uh, and we see um, Adora kind of further move into the episode and develop in a, a training program wherein they're uh they're planning this assault on um on an establishment or what they're told is a stronghold mm-hmm. in bright moon i think or is it bright moon it's not bright moon or, it's uh no. i can't remember the name of the town um i know what you're talking about because they they come upon it later yep. i think yeah it's not bright moon it's um, um uh, yeah shit it'll come to me yeah it'll come to me yeah um but they're in a training program it's kind of like the holodeck and uh, you can, uh, you know, load, load, or the, I guess the danger room would probably be a better comparison from X-Men. Uh, oh, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's in that scenario that we see Katra and the way that, uh, that her character is introduced is, is really cool. Number one, she just looks awesome Yeah. Um, yep. with the eyes that you see kind mm-hmm. of in a, against the silhouette. Yeah. Um, but she kind of comes in at the end of battle and does just enough to finish it well can i yeah go ahead uh so i want to point out something here specifically with this is a lot of people like and you you may not have been going this way or that way with this but a lot of people see that bit with catcher where she comes in and like kind of like takes credit for everything right Mm -hmm. and look at it as like oh she's lazy doing the bare minimum but she was there first she was waiting. Right. She she planned it all out in advance. She did it. She did all of that on purpose. She is clever, and yeah, she did take credit for what they did. But the way she did it was completely intentional, and she was there early right. to do it. You know what I mean? No, I was I was actually going that way. Okay. With it, okay. Um, <laughs> because because there's a line after that uh, where I think that. Um, like one of the platforms drops out from under Adora, right? Yep. And uh, and then she says something. Adora says something to Catra, like, uh, you know, you basically coming in is and taking credit for this. It's like that's you know, even for you, that's low. And then Catra says, uh, you know, nothing's too low for me. And that's just like, <laughs> like yep. you said. Now that I've watched so many episodes, and yep. now that I'm rewatching this, I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> so oh, yeah. She's, you know, to your point, she's a rogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, right now that's her character class, at least to a degree. Right. Um, you know, that, or at least a, as far as combat is concerned. So, and I always play a rogue, so I'm, I got a, a soft spot for, yeah, for them. Well, it's a good class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll take all that fucking damage on a sneak attack. Right. Fuck yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> Just don't punch me. Somebody within five feet of that, five feet of him. Oh, sneak attack damage. Hell yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so, um, the way that, the way that that's demonstrated is, is interesting because you saying that I could see why someone would use that as a slight against the character or suggest that, um, that she's inferior, um, in some way. Which right. I totally disagree with. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, later in the season, you learn that that's 100% not correct. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, the the in- intro, I think, is subtle. Um, but it moves very quickly and it, it establishes the characters without spending very much time. Because we have, what, 22 minutes 
approximately, right. I think, something like that. And I'm not sure every episode holds to that. Um, but yeah, it's around 22, 24 minutes, if I recall correctly. So then, of course, I think one of the next characters that we meet is uh, Shadow Weaver. Mm-hmm. Um, when, uh, when she comes to promote Adora and send her to, uh, send her to this, this assault that on the village, whose name will come to us at some point. Um, I'm trying to look it up right now. <laughs> and yeah, I thought, I thought one of us would, I was like, there's my tablet. Yeah. I'll, uh, you know, as, as soon as Chris is talking, I'll just grab it real quick. Thaymore. Um, Thaymore. Yes. Yep. Cause I kept wanting to say, uh, yep. like I wanted to, I wanted to say Falmar or Thalmar because it was reminding me of Elder Scrolls, but, um, there you go. Okay. Um, now Shadow Weaver's introduction is, uh, is interesting because it's clear, number one, that she's kind of a badass. Like, I love it when she pulls the shadows up and does the whole, like, Gandalf versus Bilbo thing. You know, where he's like, do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, really minimizes Bilbo. But, you know, the effect was achieved and she minimized Catra, um, in this scenario. So, immediately you see that she's giving favor to Adora and minimizing Catra. Yep. A thing that will, yep. So this, that's that's that um that we were talking about the cycles of abuse thing, like it's mm-hmm. it's very much uh what's been instilled in them for their entire lives is that Adore is the important one, Catra is the perpetual fuck up and will never be able to amount to anything, and she's holding Adora back, and that mm-hmm. the way to get to Adora is to punish Catra, and it's dude, it's poof, that is yeah, it's fucked up. Uh huh. Shadow Weaver is a, and there are a few deep dives. This has already been discussed, you know, so many times, but Shadow Weaver is horrible. She is a fucking abuser. And it's just, it's, it's, but it's written so well that you're like. And I, I keep hoping now, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead, but you know, being in season four or whatever, I keep hoping that there's going to be some hope for shadow weaver but she's just kind of a you know i don't i don't want to drop any c-bombs just yet um <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. but she's just she's pretty unlikable Let's yeah put it that way. and i mean like i said it's written that way uh and i mean it should be because like shadow weaver and we'll talk about it at the end of season five but shadow weaver is mm-hmm. they do a good job of maintaining that She's an abuser, and you're not supposed to be like, oh, I get why she is the way she... No. No. And, oh, she'll... Maybe she'll have a change... It, no, it doesn't matter if she has a change of heart. Look at what she did. You know what I mean? Right. So, it's... It... Yeesh. Yeah. She's a... She's one of those characters, man. Yeah. It's kind of... I, again, I always say it's kind of funny, and most of the things that I'm referring to when I mention that or use that term are not remotely fucking funny. Right. Um, but my wife and I were talking about that earlier. Not about Shadow Weaver, but about an actual human being uh, earlier today. And we were talking about horrible things that, that people had done and how, uh, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes you can... Um, have regret and sometimes you can try to or sometimes you do reform um but sometimes there there are some things that you did that you can't undo and like the effects of it are right. just forever exactly um, and you you did that and whatever the consequences of that thing 
were or are are unchangeable. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, that's a that's pretty heavy. Um, but so moving through the episode, uh, we move over to Bright Moon, which is I guess would you say that's like the uh, like the princess capital? Yeah, basically, because I mean that's where. Uh the queen is you know and everything that's like the that's the mm-hmm. center of the princess and rebellion side of etheria like that's their capital essentially right and it sounds nice and it looks nice yeah, I mean, it's, and it it's is nice bright moon you know yeah yeah as compared to the fright zone right which is and i mean they the went with they, i love that they went with the exact same names for all this stuff as the original show mm-hmm. which the original show was just like so like in your face just tropey like you know right. so they just they went they went with it and i love yeah. that they did that because they just they, and it's they, very it's, self-aware yeah and it's delivered like just it's like come on we got to go back to the fright zone like <laughs> the fright zone you think you're like, the you good ever guys think about what you're saying <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and, and Bo, a character that will meet very shortly i know he's like you call yourselves the evil horde <laughs> <laughs> well i do i do appreciate that well i don't think they ever said evil because adora's reaction to that is like what who calls us that <laughs> everybody <Yeah. laughs> so, oh that is so funny yeah. um but here it's in it's in Bright Moon that we meet our other two principal characters. Uh, well, we meet Glimmer first, and right. um, Glimmer and her mother Angela, who uh, who I I, I want to mention first and foremost that yeah, and we we may talk about some of the voice actors, but um, most of them I have no idea who they are and have very little knowledge of, of what they've done outside of, of, you know, like some Disney things here. And right. Some of the, right. Some of the voice actors. Um, but, uh, but Glimmer is her, the voice actor is, uh, Karen Fukuhara, which, um, was Kimiko and the boys. I don't know if you watched that. Um, so that like, when I learned that that's who did the voice of Glimmer, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> dude, you're, they're, you're gonna, there's another voice actor that's going to show up here soon. I don't think that he Are exists. you referring to Ashley Eckstein? No. no. There is another hmm. voice okay. actor that for you, not there for the is. listeners here, that, that for you will show up here soon. That mm, I okay. absolutely, he's been in so much. He's, he's, he's you know, uh, I didn't never see him being a voice actor, but it turns out he's actually done that a lot. Um, I won't spoil it, but you'll be pleasantly surprised. Okay. Yeah. I like surprises. Mm-hmm. I like voice actors. Right. Same. Yeah. So the, we we're introduced to Glimmer and and Angela and or Angela. Sorry. Um. And Glimmer is some. She's a character that I, I can definitely say I, I identify with. Um. In that it's apparent between her reaction or her interaction with her mother because when we first see them. Uh, she's being chastised for actions that she performed in battle. Right. And her her mother, the queen, has granted her the rank of commander, but won't let her do anything. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of frustration on her part uh, because she's trying to prove herself and she's trying to show that she's capable. And at every turn and corner, her mom is you know presiding over her and and trying to protect her and 
you know, calling her out as a child in front of yep. the court, which, in my opinion, is not cool. Nope. And I, it should also be noted that the royal court at the time, at the beginning of this show, is fairly small. Yeah, um, because the princesses should be, um, well, not necessarily should be there, but uh, how do you put this? Everybody's kind of uh, fucked off yeah, for the time being basically, because okay. of preceding events. Mm-hmm. Yep, which we'll learn about as the uh, as the show progresses. But yes, you're right. Um, that is important to note that it's basically just the what the guards. Yep. And uh, um, also another note: the two princesses that are there, aside from Glimmer. Uh, Natasha and Spinnerella, the voice for Spinnerella is Noel Stevenson. Mm-hmm. So that's just And a... it seems like Natasha is somebody else of note. Uh but I don't recall right offhand. Um now the uh the whole thing with Glimmer here is that she she's grounded, right? Um, which seems kind of out of character or not really befitting to a commander in an army. <laughs> um, yeah. But here we are. And, and that's, you know, what brings, uh, what brings us to Bo, the introduction of that character. Uh, you know, like as <laughs> I love that glimmers in her room, writing a letter to her mom. Cause it's, cause it's actually pretty respectful and, uh, and, poignant i think isn't it she's like you know basically dear mother uh i feel that you do not respect me yep. <laughs> um, it should also be I noted wish... that at the beginning of the show uh the these characters are 17 to 18 years old for most of them there's a couple of them that are older um and then by the end of the series they're about 21 ish Okay. According now, to I did. I did think Noel. that they were demonstrating some of that. Yeah. Um, in the way, in the character design, that some time had passed. Yep. Um, but uh, so this introduces us to Bo because he basically, you know, shows up um, like the friend, yep. you know, and like that trope in so many shows, the friend that shows up mm-hmm. uh, on the first floor outside. Yep. Um, trying to get you to come to the window. So that was cool. Um, but, and, and Maggie pointed this out earlier that Bo is kind of like, they did everything right to make you love that character, like immediately. Bo, by the way, classic himbo. <laughs> yeah, see, and I was going to say that. I was going to say, do you think that, and also himbo is a term that I only recently became familiar with. Um, because of the Mandalorian and also Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, yeah. So here's another interesting thing. You know, himbo is a play on bimbo, right? Which is a seriously misogynistic term from back when our parents were, uh, you know. Wow, that went right over my head. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. So anyway. (laughs) I'm not smart There's So himbo is a play on bimbo. But now Mm -hmm. they've also, there's also herbo. And I love it because instead of, but yeah, it's, so it's the female version of a himbo and we don't ever go back to the root misogynistic word. We've made fun, playful versions of these, of that awful word, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't know. It's interesting how things have progressed. Um, Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. Of course I can never say that word and not think of gummy bears because of what is it? Haribo. Oh my God. Um, the candy. Yeah. 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 I love it. Anyway, Bo is a himbo. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Suspicions confirmed. 
But he, I mean, he is pretty smart, though. That's the only thing that. Oh, like, I know. It, it, it's... I mean, he's smart and um, and clever, mm-hmm. which to make the distinction between the two. Um, but I don't. And now, see, that's why I don't understand the term himbo because you can Look, be one, but not be one. Yes, you can. You can be a himbo at times, and you can be. You know, it's it's just one of those things where the way Bo acts a lot of times is mm-hmm. he is very himboish. There there are things that he just sort of like. Okay, just accept it. Just accept it. Okay, I do, I do, but I think I, I get it because that's exactly what happened when you first meet him. Is uh, he's trying to get Clemmer's attention, and then she's like, "I'm grounded. Be quiet." He's like, "What?" Yep, just like yelling and <laughs> okay. yelling and yelling, and yep. Gotcha. And what's funny is that this was today uh, when we were watching that. I was like. Is Boa Himbo? <laughs> I, like, I don't know. I'm gonna yep. have to ask Chris. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely is. Uh. Okay, so, um, so yeah. Now that we've got Glimmer and Bo, we uh, we kind of go back to the fright zone, and uh, basically, what happens to move the story forward and to kind of bring all of our principal characters together is, uh, you know, Catra's feeling pretty shut out at not being uh i guess co-promoted with adora and right. uh, sent to what was it thalmor Thaymor. yep Thaymor. yep and um yeah they promote so they decide to go awol yep they promote adora to force captain so she can lead a team to Thaymor and you know yep and fuck shit up uh-huh. apparently yeah um and catra's not in on it which, you know, is, uh, you know, I just, again, you know, I really remember feeling this way, uh, or that way, I should say, um, about a lot of things when I was growing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but, uh, so they go AWOL on the skiff, and they move into a forest adjacent to Bright The Moon Whispering and, Woods, uh, yep. The Whispering Woods, Okay. Yep. And then we have Glimmer and Bo that are also moving um, the same direct, or excuse me, the opposite direction through the Whispering Wood, looking for first one's tech. Yep. So we have a a perfect scenario where that first one's tech that they're looking for is, of course, the Sword of Power or the Sword. Uh, I don't know. Do they ever refer to it as anything other than the Sword? I mean, it's referred to as a runestone, a portable runestone. Ah, yeah, a portable runestone yep, by Light yeah. Hope. So then we have all four of these characters moving or converging onto this point, um, which is where I guess the disaster happens or, or the inciting incident, yep, as it were. Very much. Yep. And uh, what is it that? How how do they get mixed up together? I, I don't remember exactly. Is there a wreck? Oh my God! We just I just flipped through this earlier. Um, well, I know Adora finds. Like she starts following this glowing thing, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, they wrecked the. That's right. She and Catra kind of wrecked the skiff because uh, they're idiots. Because yeah. um, <laughs> they're both idiots, and so when they're wandering through the woods, that's when Adora finds the sword and uh, touches it and sees Light Hope and. Then, Which was then, a great, right? Exp- it was a, like a, a wonderful sequence. Yep. And then Catra like catches up to her and it's like, "Are you brain damaged?" 
<laughs> Are you okay? You got brain damage? And then takes her back to uh, the fright zone. Yeah, uh, and just visually speaking, I, I have to mention that that's, that whole sequence when she has those visions and you can hear the baby crying. Right. Uh, very cool. Very well done. And that's something that this show, um, where it kind of falls flat to me in some places, like as far as the animation, maybe so, animation. Yeah, yeah, there are times when it's... it's yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, like when Ren and Stimpy would do like the super detailed illustrations that were usually like fucking disgusting, but right. highly detailed mm-hmm. and like zoomed in. It's kind of like that. It's like the the budget was this much, um, but we need to make a strong point telling the story here, right. here, and here. So this is where <laughs> well, this is where a, all the money is A lot going. of their budget, you know, I could you could tell definitely went into and you know, the, the, all the artists and everybody else cared and loved the show and everything, but you know, there's you mm-hmm. have to make some sacrifices for animation, um, especially when it comes to, you know, budgeting and stuff. But yeah, they landscapes, uh and then some of the effects that happen throughout the series are definitely where they put a lot of their time and effort and money into. Um, mm-hmm. And you can see them when they happen, right? They definitely do that. Uh, same with, uh, like, the soundtrack. They put... it's One person made the soundtrack, and she made this wonderful thing that just... It hits really... It hits just right, you know? And when mm-hmm. it's silly, it needs to be... When it needs to be silly, it's silly, but the, the parts that are like... I don't know. It's just a perfect soundtrack to me. To, f- to for the show yeah. uh, and it definitely it, she i'd say she probably got paid a, a good bit for that i would hope so um but yeah i i, I do want to say um that to, to me those things are important and it's not a it's not like a, a judgment on the quality oh, of the no, show no, no, no. in in any in any way shape or form um that that does that does kind of lead us to i guess the um the happening as it were, or like the big event that's going to lead us toward the cliffhanger because of course, Adora goes back to find the sword um, yep. after having these, yeah. Yep. After having these visions and, and in so doing, she, uh, she's captured by, um, by Bo and Glimmer, yep. which, uh, I, and I want to talk about this before we move into part two. And, uh, and I don't know how much time we'll get to talk about part two. Um, because we're already like 50 minutes into this, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe we'll have to do a part two of this. I don't know, yeah. but the the way that those three characters um, interact and what we learn about those three characters and what they learn about each other during that scene, I think, is highly informative and very cool. And because this is um this you know this is uh your mitzvah so you take it away and and you tell me what you think is um i guess poignant or important to you about about this scene oh you mean uh, so they how they capture adora and you know they she starts learning that oh maybe the 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 horde is actually kind of jerks uh kind of thing right for instance, when Bo says you know we you're you're called the evil horde after all and she's like who calls us that and it's everybody like yeah <laughs> right. like she's because she's grown up in this insular little place this you know the fright zone with all this propaganda and she thinks that Bo and glimmer are evil princesses you know it's yeah they start 
she has to start learning from them what that everything that she's known her entire life is wrong you know mm-hmm. and yeah it's definitely it's it's eye-opening for her and they in turn end up finding out that she's she's special right and mm-hmm. she is in fact not evil uh but yeah that happens over the course of two episodes uh, it's interesting to note too that Bo is like uh he's not judging her or immediately yep. thinking of her as an enemy. Yep. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh, it's something to point out. Uh whereas Glimmer is absolutely like ah she's an evil horde soldier. We need to bring her back as a, a you know as a trophy to my mom to prove to my mom that I'm worth right. you know, worth something. Uh and Bo's like she's a person that's how Bo sees her, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Um, yeah, I, uh, it really kind of it mirrors the, the multiple ways that you can approach somebody that you disagree with mm-hmm. uh, or somebody that you, or a group even, that you have a problem with. Yep. Um, there are multiple ways to handle conflict, and not all of them are uh, positive yep. or hold the potential for progress. Yep. To say the least. So I think the moral of that tale is be like Bo. Yep. Agreed. (laughs) And I mean, that's one of those like, and it's, they come to a conclusion in the second episode that, you know, hey, Glimmer has this realization that, hey, maybe I do need to, you know, see Adora as a person and maybe she can help, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm nice to her. That's the arc through those episodes for Glimmer. Just from two episodes, you know, she has her own personal story arc. Uh, uh, there is one thing and that's, that I, that's very important. There is one thing that I, I noted that I wanted to point out that the sword part one, like mm-hmm. they start it from the beginning. Uh, Adora does not have agency. It's mm-hmm. when Light Hope talks to her. It's Etheria has need of you. You know, it's. We mm-hmm. need you. We need this from you. We need you to be this, you know. And that's that is a theme that will carry on throughout the series. Uh, yeah, which I, you know, it's funny that you say that because, um, I really started giving thought to it uh, after watching this. And again, we don't necessarily want to get too far into the show, but I. I have a real problem with that. I mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking about how I would handle, you know, because, you know, when, when you're little, I think a lot of us, you know, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but a lot of us had that, uh, that fantasy when we were playing right. that we would be the hero, mm-hmm. you know, or like we would be the chosen you one, know, the savior yeah. character. Yeah. yeah. And in reality, I think that being the chosen one is kind of bullshit yeah Um, because at that point because your destiny is not your own you yeah if you tell me that i have and that's always been the way that i've been if you and it could be the right thing it could be the only right thing but if you tell me that that's what i have to do i'm gonna tell you to go fuck yourself yep (laughs) yep and yeah that could be a detriment Uh sure but at the same time i like to make my own choices Mm -hmm. and yeah that's one of those things that and I I will credit a lot of uh, the talking points that I, I 
or thinking things to think about that I got um, out of the show were very well uh, elaborated upon and discussed in a few deep dive videos by uh, five by five takes on YouTube mm-hmm. um, there, but don't watch those until after you've seen the entire series. Okay. Because I won't. the uh, the one that I sent you that says why you should give Shira a chance is the only one that's not spoiled for the that doesn't spoil the entire series. So. And that's like the first one you sent yes. me. I think. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's funny too because when I was watching that I was like shit like you don't need to sell this to me <laughs> like, <laughs> I've, I've I've got it. <laughs> yep. Um, but so we're we're in part two and I think we should mention that. Uh, the cliffhanger of the first episode is um, is a, like a huge guardian monster basically coming uh, or, or looming over Bo, Glimmer, and Adora. Mm-hmm. So then, of course, it opens with uh, you know Shira whooping ass um, after the uh, after the well. I'm getting ahead of myself. The monster actually kind of backs off after she becomes Shira. Yep. At the and end, it's not of only until she. One, yep. Yeah, she. It's not only until she becomes Adora again that everything kind of gets fired back up. Yep. Uh, yeah. Now, um, I don't. I want to mention this now because I may forget it later, and I don't remember if I wrote it down. But Izzy actually pointed out she's like, you know, she doesn't say anything in these episodes when she's Shira, and I thought about it. And I was like, holy shit, you're right. Yeah, that's very uh, true. I don't think she speaks at all when um, when she's Shira. And it, so it really, again, establishing a character's tone, maybe, yep. um, or what they represent is uh, they really did a great job in these first couple of episodes. Yep. Now, I will say that, you know, as the show progresses, uh, Adora and Shira kind of become more of the same person yeah that is kind of one of those battles the back and forth battles is it uh is adora shira is shira part of adora or just a thing that she becomes you know Mm -hmm. it's it's a battle that gets it's or not it's it's sort of not a battle but like it's kind of a question throughout the entire show and it only i I kind of like that yeah and it it never really truly gets like elucidated upon as as Mm -hmm. it is what it is but she it all does uh come out in the wash at the end i will reserve my judgment and i guess my opinion on that again until um until the end of this i will say though that the way that that was done is very reflective or reminiscent of uh the character promethea um, I think I told you a little bit about that series. Oh, that yeah, it's, yeah. It's like pretty much my favorite comic series ever. But when Sophie becomes Promethea, the first few times it's kind of like that. She doesn't necessarily, like Sophie, the character, the the regular person, right. doesn't necessarily know what's happening. And she's not sure mm-hmm. if if Promethea takes over or if uh, or what happens when she makes that transformation. But over the course of a few issues, the two kind of merge and, uh, it's really cool. I think, and I kind of got vibes like, uh, Promethea vibes from Shira a little bit. Yep. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so we, we have the situation where the people from bright moon are seeing this about Adora, as you mentioned, and they're seeing she's unique and probably not 
a bad guy. And Adora, like, she wastes no time in coming to that realization uh, for herself. Yeah. Which I find interesting because, you know, when you when we start looking at the parallel between Adora and Catra, uh, Adora had zero problems coming to terms with the fact that the Horde was bad. Yep. Um. And then, you know, as things go on, we see that uh, that Catra has um, has a much harder time well, doing that. Sort of, except I guess it's more along the lines of, like, Catra knew all along. And she said that in, this, right. in, the, in Sword Part 2. She says that when Adora's, like, when they... That's true. When this, when Thamor is getting destroyed by the by the Horde army that showed up, which includes Catra, who is just trying to get Adora, her best friend, back. Um, she's already mm-hmm. been at this point. She has already been like threatened by Shadow Weaver to get Adora back, you know. Um, and she mm-hmm. wants her best friend back, so she goes out and anyway. There's the battle, and Adora tries to get Catra to come with her, right? Because she can't mm-hmm. go back. She says, these are innocent people. This Shadow Weaver, Hordak, they all lied to us. And Catra's like, you're just figuring this out now? <laughs> yeah. She, The only thing that she ever cared about was that she and Adora would be together and have their own, uh, I guess, place of power. Because she wants mm-hmm. power. You know what I mean? Because that proves that she's worth something. Right. And and that is true. Uh, I didn't necessarily think about it in those terms when I said that. No, um, I know. She kind of, yeah, she just wants to be with Adora and be in control. And yep. everything else is kind of whatever yep. to her. Um, which I, I wrote in my notes here that at this point, Catra is still very likable. Mm-hmm. Um, but because she's so nonchalant about hurting innocent people, and only getting what she wants, you start to question her likability. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, mm. yeah, it shows you, like, in the beginning, Catra and Adora and their dynamics in the Horde, and, you know, that they're clearly best friends, and they have been for a long time. You know, they grew up together. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of, you, you get a sliver of that uh, thing where, for Catra, like, and the same thing happens with Glimmer in Princess Prom, where they think that their friend can only be friends with them. If they have other friends, then that mm-hmm. means they're not friends with them anymore, right? Right. And it's like that, like five five by five takes said, for Catra, love is finite. Like, mm-hmm. if Adora is friends with Bo and Glimmer, she can't be friends with Catra. And so mm-hmm. that's she sees it as a betrayal, and that's why she she leaves right that's why she goes back to the fright zone instead of going with adora and also it's there are little things that keep eroding uh the the friendliness and and the good vibes between them which i thought was interesting because their friendship is never like fully severed even though things keep happening that you think would be definitive yeah um, like the official like game over right it still seems like there's something there, but it's like a series of things that like pops up and it's like so many new fractures in, um, in the fissure, you know? Yep. And it just keeps splintering and keeps splintering and keeps splintering. Um, which I think is pretty crazy. Like the tension definitely, 
I found like from a storytelling point of view, I found a little frustrating because in some areas I think it could have happened a little bit faster. Um, yeah. But it does serve to, I mean, it, de- it definitely serves its purpose and it achieves its effect for sure. Um, and, and in Princess Prom especially, I think that that episode was very well placed mm-hmm. in terms of the timeline. Yep. Um, which when we when we talk about Shira again, I do want to talk about Princess Prom. I don't think that we got time to get into it this time. But all I will say is that Katra's tuxedo is fucking bitching. Dude, there's a reason that my D and D character now has a tuxedo exactly like Katra's. <laughs> she has yeah, well, she's got a Katra tuxedo, except it's a, a little bit of black, orange, and red instead of the purple. Nice and magenta. Well, it's you know, it's it is as the kids say, fucking dope. Right. I think that's what the kids say. Now. Right. And I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, back to your thing about them. Uh, it, it's never actually severed like that thing between Catra and Adora. It's like mm-hmm. they both at different points try to sever it, but there's just no like it like in promises when or in promise when uh, Catra cuts the uh, stuff that Adora's holding on to to let her fall, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, you think that's it. Yeah. You think that's a visual representation of it. And, I mean, it is for right then, but these two people have been the only other person that they cared about for their entire lives. So it's like, mm-hmm. that kind of connection doesn't die easily, you know? Right. So, uh, and also... um we're going to talk about promise at some point. Cause that, yeah, that, that yeah. episode is simultaneously great and also massively fucked up. Yeah, it is. So we'll, we'll go ahead and close out on part two. Um, I do want to yep. describe the end of part two though, because, and this is actually, Oh, I did put it in my notes. This is actually where Izzy pointed out that, um, that Odora never speaks to Shira, which we both thought was, was pretty cool. Um, powerful way to convey, her as a a force of nature Mm -hmm. but so that's like the end of the episode you know there's this battle between the horde the horde being defeated pretty much single-handedly um by by shira and then katra being taken down by Bo. um we uh basically you get like that classic standoff between two characters which i think is really cool uh shira you know like kind of having that subtle glow you know, especially the change in her eyes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you see Katra in a similar light, but you see her expression change to one of something a little bit more like grim. And then she slowly backs away mm-hmm. into the smoke until she's obscured, which again, the like the visual storytelling of She-Ra is fucking awesome. Yep. And that, 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 that aspect of Katra, like, backing away or coming towards the camera is it's used multiple times throughout the series to express things and it's super well done yeah Um, yeah i there's no doubt in my mind that uh noelle stevenson knows exactly what the fuck she's doing mm -hmm. um as far as those things are concerned and i also want to point out uh as a as an aside with like so this show meant so much to Noel Stevenson, and you can tell by the way it's, by the way the show is, you know, uh, just 
the heart that's in the show, right? You can tell. Mm -hmm. But she loved the show so much that and she's an illustrator and uh, she got her start as doing a webcomic, right? Um, mm -hmm. But she's an illustrator and a writer and she does, since the show ended, she has done fan art of the characters in the show because she loves them so much. Just fan they're, art and her style. Lovable. And she's come up with all these other things like, you know, other characters that I can't talk about until after you've seen the whole thing. But she's it's okay. it's really sweet. Uh and it's really cool that a creator would loves the their creation that much, you know what I mean? Especially when it's yeah. something that came from uh a whole other like it's it's a reboot, right? Something a little bit more two dimensional, maybe. Yep. I get that. I mean, like that's that's what I would say. Two dimensional. Like there was no depth whatsoever <laughs> to to any of that stuff back in the eighties. Yep. So we are going to talk about uh, before we end this episode. We're going to talk about Promise, which is I think the eleventh episode of the first season. Does that sound yes, right? Yes, it is. I like full disclosure. To, to kind of get back into the first season for this episode, I only watched uh, The Sword Parts 1 and 2 and then Promise. Yep. So yeah. when I jumped into this, um, I couldn't really remember everything that had just happened. Right. So if you do, feel free yeah. to, to fill in the gap. But it begins with Katra following Adora through the Whispering Wood, is it? Um, yeah, the Whispering Wood. To yeah. uh, First One Citadel. Yep. No, she's trying to heal Glimmer. Right, because Glimmer got Glimmer got uh, cursed. Yes, uh, it's cursed, or I forget what exactly happened to her. But her powers are Glimmer's powers are actually hurting her right now at this point. Shadow Weaver fucked her yes. up. Yes, yeah, that's it. I yep. think is, is what Shadow Weaver fucked her up. And... That's a good. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, and <laughs> like a, like she does. And fair fair play here for me. I did the same thing. Um, because okay. it's been hard for me to go back and wa watch the older the the first four seasons because you watch because knowing how everything is going to play mm -hmm. out it's hard to watch at times. Yeah. Because you know, yeah, I, I got a little taste of that even with the first two episodes. Like it's yeah, it's just it's rough. Um, it's really beautiful and really well done, but it's fucking rough because you know you you know what's going to happen with these characters mm -hmm. and you're starting, you're watching it start, you know? So mm -hmm. anyway, yeah. Promise. So it starts off with Catra tailing Adora. Right. Um, and we had talked before about this being a painful episode and what I, I keep wanting to say, it's funny. And it is kind of funny that it starts with Adora talking to, the like an avatar yep. or uh, operator yep. in the in the citadel and it is very reminiscent of modern day customer service <laughs> yep uh so much so that i refuse to believe that it's not an an intentional illusion <laughs> and like the, the degree of frustration that i feel whenever i have to call somebody it's like god just put a fucking person yep. on the phone put a person on the phone right fucking now <laughs> And it's like, are you trying to, are you just trying to get people incensed before they request help with an issue? Like, how is that a good idea? 
I mean, fuck, god damn it. Like, my face is red just thinking about it. I hate it so much. But anyway, it's a great way to, great, great way to start an episode, I think. Um, but eventually, Adora finds the, uh, the zero button, which, you know, sometimes will yep. cut all that shit out and put you online with an actual person. Um, she's trying to determine how to use that sword to heal Glimmer right. uh, with the powers of Shira and the first one. Yeah, and part of that is her misunderstanding what that means as well. Yes. Yes. Um so Katra she's there and she comes and confronts Adora while this is, you know, while this is taking place and the Citadel is kind of like uh I'm trying to think of something that I could compare it to because it reminds me of something but it's kind of like a living entity. Right, it's um, definitely like it's ha- controlled by an it's ai sentient. and yeah it's it's very much a uh the ai is definitely um at this point more um i'd say less sentient at this point and more mechanical but as we see in the next episode the ai is actually very sentient um but that's not mm-hmm. how this episode really plays out consciously in the end yeah. right anyway yeah so catcher accidentally like she well not accidentally she steals a thing from little base there she steals some little item Mm -hmm. and the alarm system freaks out right it was a data crystal right it was okay uh so then she and adora are on the run from right the security measures so this this episode is kind of bookended um in that these are the events that take place uh on one side of the events that take place in the middle of the episode um katra and adora have a brief confrontation katra achieves her goal by taking the data crystal Mm -hmm. and then the events of the episode the main course as it were um is is brought out and it's a fucking doozy uh because what happens is that essentially adora and katra and i'm just gonna say this and i kind of want you to take take it away uh, Adora and Katra are given a, uh, it's kind of, what would you call it? It's almost like a, um, they're scanned into mm-hmm. the the holodeck of Etheria past. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, the machine, it scans them, scans their memories, and plays them for them. Makes them mm-hmm. relive them. from a, They get to see these memories play out in a third-person perspective. Uh, sometimes right. though it seems like sometimes they're actually experiencing it yeah, and then i don't know if that's just I, for I think us that might be just for us but i don't you know it's, okay it's kind of either way they're reliving these memories you know what i mean yes um and they're all memories that show how close they were as kids um because it starts like when they're little right it, it all mm-hmm. involves them as from when they're little kids to when they're older teenagers in the horde training rooms and stuff, uh, all different kinds of memories that are designed mm-hmm. to show Catra is second best. Do you think that that's, that that's it though? It's designed to drive a wedge between Catra and Adora. The whole, all those memories, really? yes, are designed to drive a wedge between Catra and Adora. They're all Catra's, like they're all experiences that are bad for Catra, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then the one the title of the of the episode is the promise is promise right, right? and that's when adora little kid adora is comforting little kid katra in their room and she says that they'll they'll be okay as long as they're together and that and she makes that mm. promise to her right right but okay, she is so... left so that's why Katra is because she because Adora broke that promise to her when she left for the print for the rebellion. That changes everything for me the way that I perceive that, um, and I think it might enhance and uh, inform some of the things that you said to me about later about choice, uh, because if what you said is the way that you know the that was written uh, and intended to be perceived and that means that the first ones and and uh light hope and all that are deliberately fucking with this scenario yes. which is not cool. light hope is deliberately um, doing that that's why she's telling adora okay. to let go she wants adora to fulfill her programming as she-ra she wants her gotcha. to be she-ra and she doesn't and she-ra doesn't need to be she-ra the weapon she can't have attachments Ah, okay. Wow, I that totally went over my head. Yeah, so, there's, it, but it makes perfect sense now. Right, and so what she does, she doesn't target Adora with these memories. She targets Katra because she knows Katra is vulnerable, and Katra is, you know, her response to being shown this kind of stuff is going to be defensive and like right, and and you know, become sulky. And, well, and to like push, uh. Adora away because again like she's she's been she feels she's been betrayed and this is illustrating that to mm -hmm. her how Adora betrayed her okay no I mean that makes perfect sense yeah. to me um the way that I perceived it though was that Adora would be getting more of her perspective because I guess being the viewer I feel like I'm being given um I'm being given Catra's side of the story right so I thought well, that that would, and I think it does inform Adora more on why, like she does. I think she sees it the way you did, right? Mm -hmm. She sees, oh wow, I didn't realize that. That's what happened here. That's how you saw that. That's how that affected you. She see she. That's her first time seeing it like that, but right. she isn't the intended audience. Gotcha. No, it makes sense now. Otherwise, because if. If that was not what was happening, it actually wouldn't serve. It it wouldn't really serve any story. Like it wouldn't progress the story forward, and it 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 would make the whole like the scanning aspect of things kind of frivolous. Right. Um. So for that to you know for that to make sense and mean something, yeah, I totally get that now. Um. It's not how I took it on first viewing, but you know, you explaining that makes way more sense and it, like i said it kind of uh i think it kind of is in line with some of the um the hints and suggestions you've made about the way this is right. all going to resolve between the way the the memories that show like how shadow weaver abused both of them like pitted them against mm -hmm. each other without them realizing it you know always laid it on adora that adora is supposed to be the you know she's supposed to be the best she's supposed to be the next one that's going to rule she's supposed to be this you know she need she's the bar is really high she's putting all this weight on adora to be this person mm -hmm. and then she's using katra as a means of 
leveraging that. Yeah. And God, that is so fucked up. Right? It is, yeah. dude. It's so fucked up. Um, cause, and that's what I said before in that Twitter post that this, it's a story of two abused and traumatized kids. Mm hmm. It's, and one of the things too about this, and, and I, I would kind of want to make this clear, like, because you'll hear me say probably multiple times the more we talk about Shira, that one of the frustrations that I have with the show is that not enough shit gets fucked up. <laughs> you know, yeah. like pe- people aren't dying. And not that I, you know, I would crave violence, but when the stakes are as high as they're suggesting that they are. I want to see. I want to see some motherfuckers get killed. You know, like yeah, I want to be but like, again, oh, that was that happened. But again, why um, seven rating, right? Yeah, no, I know, I know. So what I'm saying is, in my mind, I kind of have to, and the story is told well enough that I don't have to do this often. But in my mind, I kind of have to f- fill in some blanks, right? Um, and like when certain things are suggested that uh, or presented that. Uh, of shadow weaver and some of the things that she will do mentally. I just imagine that they're just horrible and depraved and clearly not something you could, you know, show or present on a a Y seven program. But, you know, um, I I think that's, I think that's probably what's happening. Yeah. And uh, I mean, in this scenario and keep in mind also with regards to the violence aspect of it, it's kind of like, you ever watch, you know, remember the old GI Joe, how no matter how many times a Cobra tank blew up, they always managed to jump out at the last second. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I know. I know. (laughs) Um, And it's just, it's one of those things that, I mean, I, I have particular tastes and I have to rein it in when like, you know, you can't force, you know, like you can't, force vanilla to become chocolate right like you you either eat vanilla because you enjoy it and if you don't enjoy it you fucking eat something else yeah you know <laughs> so um but yeah so i've i've definitely moved past that in terms of how i objectively view something but um and again i don't think i need to say that uh that despite those things like i will gladly watch all of this over again um when i'm done yeah. i'm really really love this program um but one one of the things that we that we learned and i think we we kind of hinted at it at the beginning of the conversation is that in this episode and when we're seeing these things one of the most important things that we learned is that catra is not second best in any Mm -hmm. way shape or form nope um she is not only has she been covering her own feelings yep. and her own thoughts to keep Adora's ego kind of preserved. Um, it, uh, we learned that she is absolutely Adora's equal. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, in most, if not every way. And I think that's one of the reasons that she makes such a good, uh, villain. And one of the things about it is, and you'll see it later on when, she gets into certain fights that she can fucking break shit. Like mm-hmm. she's, she's a little younger here, you know, I mean, there is for season one, but Katra is a badass. Like mm-hmm. she, she's a fighter and it's one of those things that it's kind of, yeah. Adora doesn't really see that. Uh, yeah, and I think that in this too, I did note um, 
that like through the through the dialogue actually um and through the episode you are shown that adora assumes that catra is just not quite as good as she is right and I don't think um, it's like an, and, any intentional, like, you know, it's no, it's part of what it's part it's of Shadow personal. Weaver's. It's part of Shadow Weaver's abuse, her man, 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 uh, mental manipulation and emotional manipulation of the two of them is that she has made Adora see catcher that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think they make it very clear here that 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 is like because initially you're like, oh, no. Adora is Catra's friend and, you know, she loves her and respects her. Um, but then by the end of this, you're like, wow, like, so Catra is your friend, but you, you actually do think that you were a little bit better than she is. Right. Like, <laughs> like you actually think that. Well, and again, that's, um, yeah, that's because that's what Shadow Weaver's put in her head her entire life. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Catra basically, um, She's just straight up emotionally and and psychologically abused by this yeah, person, I mean, both of them Shadow are. Weaver. Both of them are. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, she just receives the the brunt. Yeah, of she it. gets like the negative, the, and Adora gets the mm-hmm. yeah. It's definitely a like they're both. Definitely, There's a polarity for right, sure. And they're both definitely emotionally and you know mentally and physically in Catra's case abused by Shadow Weaver. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and just in different ways and it's very intentional. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, and we kind of talked about the end of this one already. Um, but, but it is the end where that, where, uh, where Katra gets the better of Adora, much to Adora's surprise. And, uh, and basically severs that line mm-hmm. that she's holding on to when she's, uh, when she's about to fall in, into the pit, which again kind of mirrors the first episode, um, when uh, Katra had to pull her back up mm-hmm. from uh, back up from the pit in the in the training room. So we have a lot of a lot of those sorts of uh, we have foreshadowing and then calling back to yep. to earlier scenes and earlier situations, which I'm a sucker for. Right. By the way, <laughs> there's definitely some more. There's definitely a lot of that in the show. And for instance, the soundtrack for this episode is mm-hmm. played again multiple times in very important parts of the of the series and it's mm-hmm. tailored to each one of those it's sort of a, it sort of builds on it you know so it's mm-hmm. it, it plays the same tune but you don't really think of it at the time um but it's this uh it's them it's the two of them Mm-hmm. It's when it's important moments for Katra and Adora. Uh, and it, it gets, yeah, like I said, they, they, it changes a little bit based on what's going on and how, you know, but it's this song that accompanies all these moments for them. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and, and pay closer attention to the music well, at the end of, of that episode and then keep a lookout for it. Yeah. You'll, um, Cause I, honestly, I haven't noticed. Yeah. It. You'll hear it again. Um, I think, uh, I think it happens. It happens at least in season four sometime. Um, but it definitely happens in season five multiple times. Um, awesome. And I'm pretty sure it happened in season three, but I'd have to rewatch it. Oh, also another thing you're gonna have to watch for. Um, I know everybody gets in the habit of skip intro, right? Mm-mm. No. No. Not this okay. guy. Okay. Good, because and I didn't know this till Autumn told me. Um, the intro changes. Yes, it does. Yeah. 
And I don't remember how far back it changes, but you can watch as seasons four and five progress episode to episode. The way the intro changes Mm -hmm. is super interesting. Yeah, Um, because going back and watching this, this time, uh, that's when I noticed how different it was because you can kind of see. And I'm going to mention a character's name here uh, and then we'll kind of see what happens after that um but the way that scorpia changes mm, yes in the intro um is especially uh upsetting <laughs> for lack of a better i just i feel for that character so well, much well and the thing about scorpia um, is it, a lot of people point out that scorpia she's very morally gray right cuz she's mm-hmm. she's in the horde she's this horde officer right she's uh, and she's involved in like taking down Thamor and everything else, mm-hmm. right? right? She doesn't know. She was she was born there. And I'm not going to spoil anything because I don't know how far you are, but there's uh, it all comes okay. back. There's a reason for it. And it's, uh, she's, yes, she is morally gray because she's from a... there. But at the same time, she's, uh, she's not that way because she, like, she is a person with a good heart. She doesn't, re- I think she doesn't really realize that what she's doing is, bad Mm -hmm. because she cares about everybody around her she's a hugger you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah she's definitely morally gray yeah i am gonna have to go back and and listen to or at least i can look up uh some of her background because i know she talks about how she was a princess um but like her family fell out of favor her family gave hordak the fright zone oh oh so okay i must have misunderstood that um and like i told you i (laughs) And I do feel bad about this. Uh, there have been episodes that I've just been oh, dude, so I know. fucking knocked I, I know. down, like dead <laughs> tired, that I would fade in and out yep. of. Oh, I know. That's completely understandable. And I didn't know if, if we should get into talking about Scorpius since we are almost out of time, but I figure since we, we've we already started, so we might as well um, just kind of continue. Uh, she's voiced by Lauren Ash. She sounds so familiar to me. She's but in the show. I, uh Oh God! What's the name of it? Uh, Superstore. Never watched it's, it, it's, so I don't it's, know. It's a goofy kind of sitcom based on like a fake Walmart slash Target thing called Cloud Nine, mm-hmm. and she's the overzealous security officer type. Watching this show gave me an even greater appreciation for her in that show because she's like she's wonderful. I love her to death. As a voice actor, she's amazing. And like, I will probably always think of her as Scorpio yeah. now at this point, <laughs> um, which I know probably actors don't like to hear. Right. But, um, that's uh, that's kind of where that's at now. Um, but yeah, I just, she is a very, you can tell that she's a good person, as you pointed out, and that she has a good heart and that she treats people well. Um, and when she doesn't, you can tell that she doesn't feel good about it. Um, but then, I mean, like the most defining thing about Scorpia in the show is, um, the way the catcher treats her and it just, it gets Oh yeah. Me, it it like, starts out and you know, there, there are things to be said about how, um, Catra has said, I, you like, you're coming on too strong, like back off. Right. Um, it's even in the end of the, in the end of promise when, uh, when uh, Scorpio gets right. in her face, what did, what we, did say we say? Yeah. Oh, that's space. right. Ten feet, ten foot yeah. bubble. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. she definitely 
has overstepped boundaries with Catra. She doesn't really understand right. boundaries as a person. But yes, over the course of the series, Catra is she again an abused kid who doesn't understand what she's that she's continuing that cycle, right? Right. That she's and doing that thing, and that's all she that, that's all she knows, right? Right. So do unto others what has been done to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate to see, and it does not give me good feelings. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> when, when I see that, um, but I'm so I'm really curious to see how that plays out. Um, so far, I, when I asked Izzy what her favorite character was, she initially said Shadow Weaver, and uh, and I was like, well, really? Okay. <laughs> um, she's like, well, you know, Dad, like I like evil characters. I was like, okay. Um, but then, uh, I asked her if she had changed her mind, you know, just not like fishing or trying to, um, you know, influence her one way or the other, but she's like, you know, actually like Scorpia is my favorite character. Yep. Um, She's one of my favorites too. I absolutely love her. And I don't think that that has changed yet. And I just really love the character design of Scorpia as well. Um, because it just looks badass. Like there are some, there are some implications, I think, <laughs> with her character design that, yeah, that make me ask certain questions of myself. But, <laughs> but overall, aesthetically, I think she looks great, and she's got great hair. Right. Um, I wish I had enough hair to to do that kind of that, thing. But her I don't. hair is her hair is amazing. So what I want to do is, well, first I want to to thank you for introducing me to this show because that subsequently got Izzy and uh, Maggie involved in it. And we've been doing this as a family uh, watching, like we'll binge watch episodes of Shira together and uh, Izzy gets upset and, you know, will come to me if we haven't like on a day that we haven't watched it. She's like, you know, we didn't even watch one episode of Shira today. Like, <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we better do that before bed. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, so it's been really fun and, uh, and really enjoyable. So thank you for, uh, for turning us on to that. Um, but I do, there's just, it, there's still a lot that I want to say um, about the first season, I guess. And I think that we should definitely talk about um, the princesses. Yep. Uh, I just don't think we have time today, but there's still so much more to talk about. So um, I know that Maggie was, uh, she was, she voiced some, some jealousy that, that you and I were doing this together tonight. Cause she didn't know that we were talking about Shira. <laughs> so um, I, th- I think we're probably, uh, I'm probably going to have her on for maybe season two and, uh, and then definitely want to get back with you um, and maybe just, you know, um, do three and four i don't know but we definitely I, need to do another one and then another one after i wrap yeah it up. i definitely absolutely have to do one after you after you guys watch the whole thing after you're done with the whole thing i would love to we mm-hmm. could do l 3b do it like round table kind of thing maybe you know yeah um because yeah season five there aren't that many shows that have hit me the way that that show has in season five is like mm-hmm. a wrecking ball man it's poof yeah <laughs> well we're getting close yeah. we're getting close i think uh we have half of four left and and these are all full episodes season or excuse me full seasons yep. 
two and three were like six episodes a piece. I think. Uh, one was six, one was um, seven. Yeah. 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 And then every, every subsequent season has been, um, yep. has been a full yep. 13 episode season. Yep. I think so. one, four and five or 13 episodes in seasons two and three are like, they split in the middle, but that's okay. Cause we are definitely going to finish it. And, um, I can pretty much guarantee you that that will be sooner rather than later. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I'm glad that, um, I'm glad that it's something you wanted to do. And, uh, I appreciate you you being here and taking the time. Oh yeah, man. I mean, I, thanks for having me on. And I love, uh, trust me, I love talking about this the show. Like it just going through the stuff that I've been going through in my life. This show definitely hit me just right to be like something that I'm probably always gonna love, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so like there's there's this section of and it's it's funny how uh there are these fandoms that like are all mixed in together like the gideon the ninth like the lock tomb uh series mm-hmm. by tamson uh muir that fandom intersects with uh the she-ra princesses of power fandom almost like almost everybody who is a fan of uh gideon the ninth ha- is a fan of she-ra it's mm-hmm. there's this weird intersection of like I guess queer art, like, cause you got this, you got that, and you got uh, Legend of Korra, which is also, you know, featuring a gay protagonist, um, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So there, it's, it's really kind of sweet how they're all mixed in together, you know. Yeah. There's also the the uh, oh god, what is it? the Masquerade series? The the Baru Cormorant series is also in there as part of that fandom type thing but that series is um oh boy that is hmm. the traitor bearer cormorant by seth dickinson and the monster and then um the tyrant uh, and then those are three of the four books the fourth one's not out yet don't read that if you value um uh, your sanity <laughs> it's i mean hmm. it's very good but it's it's emotionally fucking brutal like well yeah i can only speak of my sanity in the past tense <laughs> so yeah it is go. it is definitely one of those <laughs> series that's just like holy fuck that is just that it hurts in a completely different way <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is like kind of a, a you know it hurts but it's you know it's i don't know dude it's that one's traumatic <laughs> Oh. yeah so it's okay. just it, the, the fandoms intersect and that one is just this outlier of like huh. why do we do this to ourselves kind of thing that is curious i um okay yeah. well yeah, anyway. I, I don't know if i want to willingly I, traumatize myself yeah i mean it's it is really good um and mm-hmm. the author is on a forum that i'm on and he's a he's a wonderful guy um and actually when he found out that there was fan art being made of his of his characters he like lost his mind he like you know like super happy about it couldn't believe that that was actually happening kind of thing and it was adorable that's awesome Uh, that's awesome yeah i mean i i do need to make it clear though that i regularly traumatize myself with (laughs) horror film because i'm a huge fucking love horror and uh anything that ari aster has done so far i guess he's only done two films um but uh, that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of willingly traumatizing myself. 
Um, I don't know if you saw Hereditary nope. or uh, Mid Midsummer. No, I didn't. I'm not um, those. I can't do those kind of movies. <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. Then yeah. Don't just don't. <laughs> uh, gosh, what was Cronenberg's son's name? Fuck, I can't remember oh, his God. name. I feel so bad about this. But David Cronenberg's son um, very much followed in his father's footsteps with his film Possessor, uh, which is another one of those. Um, so yeah, yeah. Traumatized myself willingly on a regular basis. So I pretty much take back everything yeah. I said. Brandon Cronenberg about that. But, yeah. Brandon Cronenberg, thank you. So I I want to say though before we before we sign off for this episode that this is the most fun I've had uh, talking about something that's not Star Wars. <laughs> um, and if if we're being honest, uh, this is probably the most fun I've had um, talking about something or or a show in in a long time. So um, thank you for that as well, because it's been a real treat. I'm glad that you've enjoyed it. Cause it's, it means a lot to me and it means a lot to me that, you know, you enjoy it because you know, yeah, you know, well, it's good. So it's good. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's genuinely good. Um, and you just, you can't say that about a whole lot, but yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things too. And I feel good about it too, because you know, when you, when you share something with someone that you love and has changed your life for the better and you share it with somebody and they connect to it, it's just, it's one of the best things in the world. Yep. I think, um, when that happens, it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's time for time for us to call it an evening. Um, I think that's an episode in the bag and, uh, I can't wait to do more of these. Yeah. Me too, man. Awesome. Well, thanks, Chris. We'll talk to you again soon. Hi, brother. That is our show, folks. Another episode done and dusted. Thanks again to Chris for being on the show and for trusting me with their passion and love for such a wonderful show. Y'all be sure and give Chris a follow on the old Twitter machine, at Riot Carol Danvers. That's at R-I-O-T-C-A-R-O-L-D-A-N-V-R-S. No E there. And, of course, I'll post that uh, in the show notes as well if you want to give Chris a follow. It's definitely worth your time. Um, I'm very much looking forward to the roundtable discussion of She-Ra that we mentioned in our conversation wherein I'll be joined by both Chris and my wife, Maggie. That's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Um, so yeah, join me next month though, when I will be talking the last Jedi once more, I've been your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte. Thank you for listening to the sleeping giant podcast until next time. Y'all 